I think Jesus Christ deserves a hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen. Well, maybe I shouldn't apologize, but I'm sorry you get me this morning. <laughs> um, Pastor John asked me to speak this morning uh, to you, and uh, and so uh, in in doing this, it's really kind of uh, it's all it's always been amazing. This this happens. Uh, this has happened all my life in a ministry of how God just begins to orchestrate uh, a service, uh, the songs, the uh, the message. Uh, things that are that are done and said in the service, uh, even the surprises and the spontaneous things that happen in a service. Uh, have you have you ever been in a service where it just seems like how in the world did all that just come together and it's just the same message is being spoken out through through the entire service? And uh, and I know for for me as a minister, one thing that I like to do with um, working with you know my job and you know and and doing the music, putting the songs together, I like to have the same heartbeat. For the entire day, because I feel like God has got something planned every Sunday, every time we meet, uh, when the youth meet, when the children meet. God has got a plan of action. God's got something for each one that shows up and that you are here by divine appointment. Call me crazy, but I feel like that's what happens in, in these situations and, and every Sunday. And so, uh, just a little tidbit of wisdom, maybe for you, if I can even be wise at all. Because uh, I am just a dumb country boy from Georgia, and uh, just not too far from here, and even from Milledgeville, I know that that's crazy. No pun intended, right? But um, I believe that you're here by divine appointment, and that God has planned this out. And it is so interesting how even sometimes, as a minister, uh, whether I communicate with the pastor or not. Sometimes I try to get into the pastor's head and say, hey, what you thinking about Sunday? And then, uh, but most of the time, it's just we're going about the daily routine and, and uh, the weekly routine and then get up here on, on the stage Sunday and the songs, the theme of the service just went along with it. And those are the fun moments when, when that really happens and you just, it's just apparent that God was involved and there was no communication, but it seemed like unity happened. And so, to me, that kind of happened this week because I, as I'm putting the songs together and, and um, you know, I kind of had this, you know, our God is great kind of theme and unstoppable God and all things are possible with him and what a beautiful name it is and, and he has no rival and talk about the greatness and the power of God. And, and, uh, but sometimes when I do that, it's like, is this really going to go? You know, yeah, these are good songs. These are fun songs to sing. And, you know, we did our God and that's kind of now become an oldie but a goodie, Right. Because it's been done a hundred thousand times, and uh, but that's okay. You know, uh, we how many times have we sung "How Great Thou Art" in our day? Anybody uh, grow up in church or went to church and you remember those old songs? I grew up. I cut my teeth on those songs uh, about how great God is and uh, how great Thou art. And uh, any 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 heaven fans here? You know, like you know, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When we all get to heaven. Some of you may be having nightmares over this now that I'm talking about. I don't know. So maybe it was a bad experience for you. But how many of you grew up, you know, you know depending on, well, depending on the, the freedom I guess your church had, that could have been a boring song or it could have been an exciting song, depending on whether, you know, you were in one of those chandelier swinging churches or whether you were one of those like, we don't even clap. So it, some may have fond memories, some may not. So I apologize. But you know, when we're talking about these things and we're singing about these things, I, I think it's okay to get excited. And so 
the little tidbit of wisdom that I was going to drop on you, if I can even come up with wisdom, is that you should come every Sunday expecting something because God has been at work. Now, you've, you've probably heard me say this in a, in a service, and maybe I'll repeat it later in the sermon because I have no clue where I'm going. I'm kidding. <laughs> I got kind of an idea. So this is kind of one of those, uh, you just felt there's a, some scriptures that came to mind, and I just felt like, uh, felt like God wanted to kind of go in a direction, and the rest is like, I just got to trust God with, with where it's going. And so uh, if, it, if it happens to not be good, uh, you can send the, uh, the complaints to John at ChristChapelMacon.com. Don't send it to Ben at Christ. I'll turn that one off. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but you should be expecting every Sunday for God to do some great things because he's planned it for you. Now, you've heard me say in, uh, in a past sermon probably that, that we as people were never meant to go to church. Y'all remember me saying that? Uh, y'all weren't listening the last time I spoke. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Well, I guess you weren't, but you never meant to go to church. Now, when I, when I actually have a sermon that kind of surrounds that, and I, it's kind of a soapbox for me just a little bit, and when I say that, I love some of the reactions that I get. It's like, oh, what? Oh, he's preaching heresy. Of course you're supposed to go to church. The, Bible's, the Bible does say, Paul talks about that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. What does that mean? We should come together. Because I know when we go hang out, like when we've, you know, had the supper clubs, uh, supper clubs back in, the, back in the, uh, uh, the winter or whatever, we, we all went to Krispy Kreme. That was very spiritual. <laughs> there was a lot of worship going on there. And I won't tell you about one of the signs we saw in, in downtown. But anyway, um, but we went to Krispy Kreme. And, you know, but there was something fun and energizing and exciting and motivating and inspirational about us just coming together as a body of believers and hanging out. Because you realize that, hey, maybe I'm not alone in this game, right? Uh, maybe there's some other people here that, even though they look like they might be well put together, that once you start listening to their stories, you realize that they're going through the same stuff I'm going through. Uh, and so that's encouraging. So you should not forsake the assemblings of together, assembling of yourselves together. So we should come, I believe, to a house of worship where we can all gather, worship together. What I mean, you know. Of course, it sounds, I guess, kind of self-serving, but I, I'm not meaning to do that at all. But as we were singing this morning, did you enjoy that? Not, not the performance, but did you enjoy the atmosphere that you were feeling? We're singing these songs. There's something about when you begin to sing about the greatness and the awesomeness of God, there's something about that that's, that just starts bringing life and, 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 and is electrifying. You, you know, it's like... Even if you came in sad, by the end of the song service, you, you start cracking a smile. You might actually be happy. That's what the praises of God does because the Bible says that he inhabits or he lives in the praises of his people. So when we begin to lift him up, you know, that's, you know, guys, when your wife comes up to you and is like, you the man. You just, when you walk in the room, wives, you should do that quite often because it will help your husband <laughs> out a whole lot. But, you know, or... Your husband says, my, you just look beautiful. I was going to say hot, but you can't say that in church, right? But you just look amazing. You look beautiful. That dress, that, the, your hair, your makeup. And, and, and please don't do that thing of, of like, you know, it's like, what, yesterday I didn't look good? No, don't do that. Just live in the moment, you know? And so, and, but, but when somebody compliments you and starts praising you, don't you feel a little bit better? We were made in the likeness and image of God, Right? So we, 
when you look in the mirror, you're looking at what God looks like because he made you just like him. So when we begin to shower him with the compliments and the adoration and the praise, of course he's going to say, I'm going to hang out with you. Because why is when you start doing that with your husband or, you know, men the other way, there's like, yeah, I'll go on a date with you. Let's go now. Right? I like hanging out with that because we like to feel those compliments. We like to feel that praise. And so does God. And so he comes and hangs out with us. And, and, and in that atmosphere, when he shows up, oh, my goodness, he starts bringing his stuff with him. And when he brings his stuff, I kind of like his stuff because you, you follow, follow where I'm going? So hopefully, hopefully you get a little smile on your face. So anyway, where was I going with that? Okay. Like I said, I don't know where I'm going. But, you know, we, the, the theme of, of the songs just kind of was our God is great and, you know, uh, talking about the amazingness of God and how awesome he is. And, and, um, and then as things kind of turned and uh, some uh, last-minute things began to change and obviously the storms are coming in and it's looking bad and, you know, uh, evacuees and people are showing up in our town and, uh, you know, shelters are beginning to fill up and uh, traffic's crazy and just all this stuff. And, and my heart begins to sink, but I'm like, but God, you're great. But then you realize the ominous feeling of the moment and all these things. And so it um, can be discouraging, you know. What's my life going to be, be like after the fact? I mean, you know, middle Georgia is just kind of just waiting right now because we don't know how strong the storms are going to be. They've already hit Florida, portions of Florida, and it's just moving up, heading toward us. And so we don't know. We've got this unknown that is about to happen. And and if you're not careful, that can just really cause you to be discouraged. But God is great. But yet all this stuff is taking place. And so I thought it was kind of interesting as, as things started to be put together and I started thinking about, okay, what am I going to speak on? Where do you want me to go, God? And, and, um, and so uh, I, I kind of went to one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and, um, Psalm 23. And I was like, well, you're just kind of thinking about it, meditating on it. And then I went actually read it, and it's like, okay, this is, this is kind of good. How is this going to tie in? And so I, th I think I know where it's going to go, so we'll, we'll see. But, um, yeah, that was a joke. You can laugh uh, about that. So <laughs> like, where is this going to go? But I was thinking about that. But also Psalm 23 has been used a lot, it's sort of like the song Our God. We, we've sung that a lot. So some could be like, hey, Ben, it's time to pick a new song, you know. It, you know it, but, and so I guess the older we grow, Sometimes we kind of grow out of some of those things. Now, how many remember, and this is going to be the interactive part. You can help me out. And, uh, but uh, how many of us ever went to, uh, as a little kid, you went to Sunday school? You know, a lot of people, most of us, okay? What were, y'all give me some feedback. What were some of the stories you remember from Sunday school? Just, just hit, hit a couple of them out. Uh-oh, everybody at one time. Okay, what was that? Jonah, Jonah and the whale. Yeah, whale swallows a man. That was pretty interesting, you know? And God says he's going to destroy an entire nation if Jonah doesn't go and, you know, and, and preach the gospel and tell them they need to re repent and, and be converted and turn away, away from their wicked ways. He's just going to go, you know, take care of them, right? So Jonah and the well. Uh, what was one of the other? What was that? David and Goliath, yes. That's, that's probably one of our favorite favorite ones, right? It's David and Goliath. You got little, little, little man David and you got uh, big giant stinky Goliath, right? 
And, uh, and so he's spewing all this stuff, and then, uh, you know, David comes up. He's all confident. You know, we know the, the story of David, David and Goliath. The giant comes down, and he cuts the giant's head off with Goliath's sword. I can't even imagine trying to pick up that sword, how heavy that was, because of how big, he, you know, Goliath was. But, you know, and all this stuff. So uh, any, anybody else? Daniel on the lion's den, right? Any other? Noah's Ark? Did somebody say Noah's Ark? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you see the you see the big boat and all the cute little animals and all that kind of stuff. You'd never see in the children's Sunday school about the millions of people that are drowning under the water. But you see the boat and the cute animals and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anybody else got some other stories? Oh, the coat of many colors, Joseph. Yes, that's one of my favorite stories because, uh, in fact, this. Oh man, I could preach. I could I could go that direction, but I won't because that'll be that that would take way too long, and I'm supposed to make this a short sermon. Uh, what was that one of the others? Moses. Moses. Children of Israel, right? What's the favorite part? <laughs> Pharaoh and his soldiers get drowned in the Red Sea, right? <laughs> it's like you start to realize, you know, the older you get, you know, these are cute little uh, Sunday school stories that we have, but we kind of leave out the, the other part, you know, like the, in the Noah's Ark, you know, where all the, you know, God destroys the entire world and kills everybody on the planet except eight people. And all the animals on the boat, right? And so we, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. We like to talk about one aspect of God, but the other aspect of God is just, it's confusing, right? Because we're trying to match up this merciful God, but who, a God who is just and, and, uh, and, and will cast. It's kind of hard to, I think that makes for interesting discussion at some point, right? Ask why, you know? And we may never get that answer, but we know that God is just, God is true, God is faithful. God is loving because we find that in Scripture and in, in the Word of God. Uh, the Bible, I believe, is the, the Word of God and uh, contains the Word of God, embodies the Word of God, is the Word of God. And so, and, and one thing that I like about the Bible, it, is not, it doesn't tell perfect stories. It tells, perfect, it, it tells a story of a perfect God amongst and working in imperfect people. You know, the story of Elijah. He called fire down from, from heaven and, uh, and consumed the altar after the altar had been doused with water several times and the water was just overflowing and then out shoots fire from heaven and consumes the altar and the sacrifice. When, when Baal and, uh, Baal's prophets, you know, 400 prophets of Baal were just cutting themselves and wailing and moaning and all that kind of, and Elijah's over there mocking, right? But when we look at these stories, if you will, and these, these cute little Sunday school stories, because <laughs> so when you think about them, some of them are pretty violent, right? But you look at these stories, and we think, well, that was Moses. You know, of course that was Moses. Well, that was Elijah. But in, in James, I believe it's chapter 5, verse 7. Um, hopefully I got the scripture right. I was trying to remember that one. But uh, where it says that Elijah was a man just like we were. You look at Moses, Moses, you know, God himself is talking to him and says, I want you to go deliver the children of Israel, deliver my people. I want you to be the spokesperson, all that kind of stuff. He's like, yeah, God, that's cool, but I can't talk. You know, when you made my mouth and made my tongue, you kind of messed up. So can I take my brother Aaron because he can talk real good? Moses was a regular man. In fact, if you read that scripture, God got pretty ticked off at Moses because of his unbelief and his doubt right? So eventually, you know, God's like, okay, you can take your brother Aaron, but he, you know, you go with him <laughs> because I want you to be the spokesperson. So you got these regular everyday people. In fact, after Elijah got through praying that prayer, he hears that Jezebel, the queen, is really mad. 
And so she's saying, hey, I'm putting a price on your head. So what does he go and do? He goes and he runs and he hides and he's scared for his life. And he just called fire down from heaven. And he's sitting there in the cave by himself and saying, I'm all alone. There's nobody with me and Jezebel's going to kill me. <laughs> you know, a regular everyday man. How many, how many have ever had those roller coaster rides in your life? You know. Sometimes I'm scared of myself. Here I am. I'm speaking all confidently this morning about God's greatness and everything. Come Tuesday, I may be like, <laughs> I'm all by myself and nobody loves me. You know, that's our ebb and flow. So I'm hoping that by the end of this sermon this week, it won't be like that for you. But I, I wanted to, to read some scripture, Psalm chapter 23, and uh, we'll probably put it up on the screen um, if you're too lazy to get out your Bible. And I'm just kidding, so... I'm trying to be as funny as Pastor John, and it's not working. So anyway, like I said, you get me, not Pastor John this morning. So Pastor John does his, send his love, by the way, and, and uh, loves you guys and loves everybody. So uh, don't forget that. It's one of the most loving men I've ever met. So, um, but anyway, Psalm chapter 23, and familiar scripture. You know, sometimes we, we think, uh, you know, like a, a minister, you don't find preachers in an adult service preaching a sermon a lot of times about Jonah and the whale or the three Hebrew children that, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because we kind of feel like that they're kind of almost nursery rhymes. They're kind of elementary. They're, they're kind of a cute little story for Sunday school, but, you know, when you get it to an adult, you got to go deeper. you got to go deeper in the Word. You know, you got to have deeper thoughts, and I think we lose some of the uh, if you will, uh, the, 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 the power and amazement of those stories. Because when you left Sunday school, right, you came out like, man, my God's pretty good. I serve an amazing God. In fact, my God can beat up your God. Yeah, you know, it's like my dad can beat up your dad. My dad can throw the ball further. Well, my dad's stronger than you. Well, my dad can lift 400 pounds. Well, my dad can lift 500 pounds, you know. In this contest, you know, we, we come out of Sunday school thinking like, wow, I serve an amazing God. And we came out with awe. And then we grow up, and now we've got to be a little bit more mature about things, right? And we lose some of that childlike faith. I, I've been there too. I mean, I've, you know, I hope this doesn't come out to be is any kind of boast or anything, but I gave my life to the Lord when I was five years old. And th though I have not been perfect, in fact, if I told you some of my imperfections, you'd probably leave now and not put any trust in what I say. So I'm not going to tell you those things. <laughs> But I've made mistakes along the way, just like you have. But for the most part, you know, over general, I've kind of stuck with it. I've always kind of come back to, you know, I guess ground zero for me is where, you know, where I, uh, I met the Lord at the foot of the cross and I gave my life to Jesus. And so I've seen him work time and time again. And then I, then I do these dumb things of losing confidence in what God can do. He's, he's carried me through all these struggles. And here I'm at, up on this one struggle. And it's like all of a sudden, okay, God's not going to work through on this one. He's going to check out. He's like, you know what? This one's too tough for me. I'll just, I'll just let you handle it. And I lose that. How do we do that? I don't know how I do that. I, sometimes, you know, after I'm thinking about it afterwards, I'm like wanting to slap myself upside the head. And it's like, you dummy. This, this is God you're talking about. So let's, let's talk about this, okay? Psalm chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Or in another way of putting it, I, I, I shall not lack any good thing. I'll not be in lack because the Lord is my shepherd. He's going to take care of me. And I think, I really believe that it is very fitting in this time that we're living in, 
today, the present, and I'm not talking about just in general, is we've got these storms coming. Storms are already hitting. Devastation has already happened. But the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. And this is the description of someone totally at ease, totally confident. You know, no matter what it may look like around him, this is, this is his atmosphere. This is her atmosphere. That no matter what's going on around me, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack any good thing. I shall not want. I'll not be in want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. But all this racket is going on around me. It doesn't matter. That's the atmosphere. That's the frame of mind this person is in. He restoreth my soul. When I do fail, when I do mess up, when, when I'm not quite that person of, of faith, when I'm like Elijah hiding in the cave and, and crying and whimpering and whining because uh, I'm afraid for my life, it, this is the end. After God just pulled off miraculous things, this is the end. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. His reputation is on the line. And then I like this part, and I think this is where we're at. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Though I'm walking through that valley that's shadowing death, and if you go and you look in, you know, kind of what they were talking about, you know, there was this valley and there was these big rock ravines and everything, and this is where, you know, bandits would be to attack travelers. This is where uh, people would get ambushed. And, uh, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And when you think about that, you know, we... We as people like the green pastures and the still waters and, oh, that's nice. And then when the storm comes, we kind of get, you know, biting our nails. But if you will for a moment, just imagine that Jesus were physically right here. And you could actually physically see him. You know all the stories about Jesus and performing the miracles. And, and uh, you know, he even stepped to the bow of the boat and said, peace be still. And we know that God can do that. And um, we know that God can still the storm and, and uh, all that. And we know that God has the power of life and death. He, he said to the dead young man, uh, as they were in the funeral procession, and he went to the man and told him to get up. He spoke at the tomb of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come forth. And so we know, so imagine, you know all these things, and Jesus is standing right, right, right with you. Now, I know normally the responsible thing is to stay away from the valley of the shadow of death. But if Jesus were standing right here, like, like Jeff is, is sitting right there on the front row, and I see him, I lay eyes on him, and, you know, I know that he's there. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, God, let's go to the valley of the shadow of death. I want to see what you're going to do with this. All of a sudden, you walk in with confidence now, because I got Jesus right by my side. And so you almost want to go to the danger if he's, like, physically right there, because you're like, you want to see him in action, Right? No? How many would pick that? You're going to pick the adventure now. But you're like, I want to see him in action. Because now, you, you know, you, you're physically seeing him. You, you physically know that he's there. And, he, you know, just like the disciples, well, the disciples kind of messed up that one up. Anyway, you know, Jesus is in the back of the boat and he's asleep. 
resting on a pillow. And the storm's going, and the boat, and water's coming in the boat, and everybody's, I'm scared, we're going to die. And, you know, with Jesus, Jesus, don't you care about us? You're just sleeping. What's wrong? You know, it's like, I'm Jesus. Everything's going to be all right. And so in his frustration, I, I, I kind of picture Jesus being a little bit frustrated. He's like, all right, peace be still. You know, wind, storms, stop. And then they were like, oh, you know. But if Jesus was right here, he's like, hey, let's go to the valley of the shadow of death. I want to see you cut up one time, <laughs> you know. How are you going to pull this one off? How are you going to work this out? And I believe that for a lot of us in the physical sense right now, and then there may be storms that have been going on in your life. Pardon the analogy. But chaos happening in your life. You, you're going through things that you just can't seem to surmount. But Jesus is there. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. God is not a man he should lie. So if we believe that that Bible is true, God says, I'm not leaving you. I'll never leave you. I'll always be with you, even until the end of the world. I'll never forsake you. These are promises. These are words that are coming out of God's mouth. And so it does not matter what you go through. Some people, the miracle happens. And no harm comes to you. Sometimes you're, you're, you are in the car accident and you do get hurt. But you're still here for a purpose, for a reason. Right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And so my encouragement to you today, I don't know what the outcome is going to be. You know, they're saying that you know, we could experience some of the aftermath and tornadoes coming up, and some of us may, you know, in a, in a day or two, may be without a home. But I want to encourage you, and this is, this is where our faith stretches. This is where it's hard for me to say, you know, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just, you know, be a man. Sometimes that's hard to say that. You know, I can remember a man who played guitar on my worship team up in Michigan. Most beautiful men, if you can even say that a man's beautiful. Just a beautiful heart, beautiful spirit. Loved God, loved playing music. I mean, he was a guy that I could just nod to and an impromptu solo come out of him. And then he was so humble, he said, hey, I missed this one note, man. I'm so sorry. I'm like, I didn't think, I thought it was just character you were putting on that thing. Just, and after 22, I believe it's 22 or 26, sorry for the lack of knowing the number, years of marriage, we got a chance to give them a trip. They, they adored each other. They loved each other. Got a chance to give them a trip to one of our marriage retreats at that time. They got back, and they, they, could not, they were going through financial struggles, so they couldn't afford it. And somebody had dropped out. Well, the trip was already paid for. And, and uh, the pastor's wife asked me, she said, hey, do you got somebody in your ministry that could use this? I was like, yeah, I know the person. So we sent them to that trip. Three weeks after they got back, they found out she had cancer. And it was almost too far gone. So they started doing the treatments and stuff like that. Within three months, she was gone. His life, his, you know, the woman he adored. And they, it, was just, it, was just, it was just crazy how much they loved each other. And now she's gone. And I saw him, his only, uh, there were several times he told me, he said, I think the only reason that I'm still here today is because of the attachment to the worship team. And he, he was able to just still give of his gifts, and there was still an outlet of connection. 
And there's many times that I stood in front of him as he's talking with me about the hardships he was going through and the hard times he was going through, the, the heartbrokenness that he was going through. And I can remember just, I wanted to say, just hang on. But how insensitive is that during a time like that? Oh, just hang on. It's going to get better in time. How do you say those things? You can't. Because, yes, in some way things will get better, but there's always going to be that hole missing in, in your life. And it could be a, a number of other things that, that maybe you've gone through, but when you're going through that, somebody's like, well, just trust God, everything's going to be all right. You want to slap the person. What do you mean? This is difficult. This is breaking my heart. This is causing tears to, to run down my face. I don't, I, I don't have any certainty. I don't have any stability. I don't have any security. I mean, just everything seems to be shaking around you, and you got somebody who's like, well, just trust God. And that's hard. And there were many times that I had those words in my mouth, but I knew that I, I wanted to just say, hang on. And all I could do was just love him and, you know, man, I understand and pray with him and all that kind of stuff. And right before we left Mission to come down and plant the church in, in Millersville, I'm walking through the foyer. And as I'm walking through the foyer, that man who played the guitar and one of the other musicians that had joined the team the, the last year, year and a half that we were there, was talking about the struggles that he was going through. And I heard that man who played guitar begin to pour life into him. Because what God had done for him, I heard him giving encouragement. And I was like, yes. I was glad I eavesdropped on that, that conversation. Because I was like, even though it was a struggle to ever utter the words, just hang on. I knew that God was working in his life to pour into his life. Talk with him couple times a year just to check on and see how he's doing. I always got a joy in his voice. He's still playing guitar. I was mad at him when he didn't move down here to Georgia with me, but that's another story. But I wasn't really mad. I was just kidding. He's just a really good guitar player and a great heart. But though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Um, Psalm 91 um, there's one of my, another favorite chapter. It talks about he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. <clears throat> it goes on to say a little later on, talks about, you know, a thousand may fall at my right hand, ten thousand may fall at my side, but I will be safe in the shelter, in that safe place, the shadow of the, the Most High. And I like the way the Amplified puts this next verse in perspective. It says, only a spectator shall you be. I'm almost tempted to go read it. Uh, you should go home and read Psalm 91. Only a spectator shall you be. And it kind of further Basically, you're going through the storms. You're going through the hardships. But God is saying, you're just going to be a spectator. You're going to spectate. You're going to watch. It's like you're going to the movies and watching how I work the ending out. Because you know in most movies that are sane, <laughs> end with the good guy winning. Somehow, some way. That's the way it is with God. Doesn't mean you're not going to get any nicks on you. Doesn't mean you're not going to get a bloody lip <laughs> or a hurt leg or, you know, something. Maybe 
might be a little worse. But you're just going to be a spectator as you float through this thing because you fear no evil because God is with you. This is the confidence that I'm hoping that I'm instilling you. Now, me saying this, I have no idea what any of us are going to go through. I don't know how, how, uh, how uh, many conversations you're going to wind up having with someone who's been displaced by, their, uh, by the storms. And, and, and uh, you know, I don't know how this is going to work out for you. You may be speaking life. You may be needing to have life spoken into you after the fact. I don't know. I just know that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table when my enemies come at me, when people that don't like me and they just start slandering me, they just start trying to attack me or, you know, my enemies, you're just going to fix a table and I'm going to sit down at the table and it's like, this is good chicken, you know? You're going to prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Mm. Hopefully this is good for you. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. And it's not this necessarily the cup running over and spilling out every place. It just means I will not thirst. There is plenty. There is more than enough to quench my thirst. I'm not going out. I'm not going without refreshment. I'm not going without, I'm not lacking anything. Just like the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm not lacking any good thing. I have plenty, and it's running over. It's, it's, it's rivers of living water bubbling up within me. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will do what? Dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My ending is good no matter what. And this is the hope that we as believers have. This is the hope that we get to walk around with. And so we need to walk around any day, whether it's sunny and nice and the nice cool breeze is blowing and hopefully you're not sweating in the sweat of Georgia. I'm kind of glad that that's passing now because I was getting tired of sweating. I sweat bad and it don't smell good. Anyway. You have the nice cool breeze blowing and all that, even though it's a wonderful day. Or it could be a very bad day, and you don't know whether, you know, a tornado is going to form, a hurricane is going to, it doesn't matter. I know that God is with me, and as long as he is with me, and I am stayed close to him, I'm going to be okay. And so I invite you to stand confidently knowing that he's with you, and you get to see, God, how are you going to work this out? Now, some of us may say, okay, I'm going to step to the bow of the boat, and I'm going to speak to this storm and tell it to stop. But what if it doesn't? You know, I've heard many stories where, you know, you see the, uh, a pastor or a minister or a missionary or whatever, they've seen a tornado coming right for their house. And you see them, they stand at the window and they, they stick out their hand and they rebuke the storm and all of a sudden they see the storm lift up, go over their house, and then fall back on the ground and keep going. There's those miraculous things. But what if the storm does hit? What if you do lose everything? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I'm going to watch how you work this out, God. I have a confession to make. Sometimes I've prayed that prayer in anger. Let's see how you work this out, God. I've been there. 
In fact, putting this message together, even though I didn't know where we were going, <laughs> I had to repent and say, God, <laughs> there's been many times where I've said, how are you going to work this out? But I haven't said, I can't wait to see how you work this out. In my weakness and in my flesh, it's like I've dared God work this one out. And then I knew I was going to have to stand here and admit to you today. And it's like, well, I'm still standing. I guess he worked it out, right? And I know for some of us, these things may hit home and hit hard. I know of two people close to me, actually three, um, that lost loved ones this week. That's hard. And you think to yourself, how, how am I going to go on? Now, I know God's shoulders are big enough and heart is big enough that even though, even if we do make the mistake, well, I guess it's not really a mistake when we kind of stand in defiance and like, I dare you to work this one out, God. God's like, okay. God doesn't get rattled by those prayers. And God's not mad at you. Well, I've screwed up so many times, he's just mad at me. God's not mad at you. He loves you. That's why he keeps pursuing you. That's why when you're in a church service and you feel that prick at your heart and you're like, man, I need to go down and get right with God. Or, you know, you, you're walking through daily life and all of a sudden you're, you know, just slapped upside the head. I need to get right with God or I need to, I need to make a decision on this and, and choose what God would want me to choose. You know, it's God's pursuing you because he loves you. You know, it's like the song says, he loves us, oh, how he loves us. He's jealous for me. He wants your affection. He wants, you, he wants that relationship with you. That's why, he's, that's why we've had, you know, the, the Bible was written. That's why he went through what he went through on the cross. That's why he, he stepped to the bow of the boat with the disciples, and he commanded the winds and the, the seas to stop, and they obeyed. It's not that he calms every storm. He just put that story in the Bible to let you know he can. And he's that powerful. Basically, he was saying, you can safely trust in me. I've got it handled. I've got it under control. One more scripture, and we're going to close. Romans, very, these are all cliche uh, scriptures. <laughs> Nothing super deep here. Romans chapter 8. You want to turn there with me? Very familiar scriptures that I think this is going to be great to end on. If nothing else, if you've heard these scriptures, it puts you in remembrance. And I believe, like I said at the beginning of the service, that all of us are here by divine appointment. That means God's been wanting to tell you something specifically this morning. He's been wanting to tell me. Isn't that cool? Because if it, I mean, I've always said this, and this is, I guess it's kind of a funny analogy. You know, when God's word is spoken to you by the, by the mouth of, uh, by, by actually jumping off the page at you, uh, by a, a preacher uh, speaking the word, by, you know, an evangelist or, you know, hear it in a song or whatever, God's word does a few things to you. It'll either make you glad 
it make you sad because you realize the inadequacies, inadequacies, inadequacies sorry, in your life. Sometimes it makes you mad. You ever been there? <laughs> All y'all lying. You're not even raising your hand. So. I am going to have an altar call. You can come repent in just a moment. <laughs> I raised my hand. <laughs> I raised my hand because I was trying to, no, I'm just kidding. I'm trying to get you to raise yours. So it makes you glad, sad, or mad. If it doesn't do any of those things, this is the scary part, you've done been had. Right? If your heart is that cold that, but I, 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 I doubt I'm sitting in a room with people's hearts that are cold, so I, I don't think we have to go to the had part. But if it's done any of those three things, because I don't know what you're going through, and you know, here I am trying to stand all confident and bold, and you know, God is great, and he's going to come through, and you, know, you can walk through death, and everything's going to be all right. And sometimes that may, you know, may make you glad, may make you sad, but sometimes it may make you mad to hear that. But if that's pricking at your heart, I believe that's God saying, hey, I had something for you today that I planned all week for you, and I couldn't wait to tell you. And I'm not saying that for me. I mean, I, once I started looking at these scriptures, I couldn't wait to tell you, and even though I didn't know where we were going with it, and still don't know how we're going to land the plane, but we're about to. But God has had a message for you today. So Romans chapter 8 Let's go ahead and read. What then, verse 31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? We sang that in a song earlier. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? If he is willing to give up his own son, knowing the end that it would, it would provide our redemption, but still he had to go through it. Right? Wasn't the God, you know, Jesus is in the garden saying, please, God, Father, take this cup from me. Because it was hard, right? It wasn't an easy task. Eh, it's, it's, easy, it's, it's easy to say, oh, it was hard. But really think about it. You're Jesus, and you're about to go to the cross, and everything in between. It's not a fun day. But he, God, who spared not his own son... But won't he give us, with Jesus, give us graciously all things? Who will bring anything or any charge against those whom God has chosen? Who, who will bring anything against you? You know, the, you know, you picture the courtroom and the lawyer, he's got all the evidence against you, and uh, the enemy of our soul is like accusing you, and, and, and this is it, and he's got all the paperwork and all that kind of stuff. And who will lay anything to, 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 to the charge of God's chosen? I like what this says, and if you follow me this real quick, it's like, it is God. God is the only one that has the right to do that to you because he's the only one that's just, perfect, and has, not, has no sin. He's the only one that has the right. It is God, but that sentence doesn't stop there. It is God who justifies. Isn't that cool? When, when I saw it that way, I was like, okay, God's the only one that has the right, but he said it is God who justifies. He doesn't go to God who, who judges and God who condemns and God is just going to ball you up and throw you in a pit of hell and, and let, watch you burn and laugh at you for the rest of eternity. It is God who justifies. He made a plan. He made a way to bring us back unto himself, to reconcile our hearts back to him, to restore our lives, to restore everything about us, to restore our righteousness and put us back in right standing with God. It is God who justifies. Justified, never done it, but that's what God did. 
Yes, you can, you can praise God on that. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus, Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, you can't forget that part, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding, praying for us. So then we get into the real familiar part. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. Just look at the crazy drivers. All of of them are crazy, not me, but look at all the crazy drivers out there, right? We face death all day long at any moment. Our heart could stop. At any moment, we could stop breathing. At any moment, we could lose our lives in a disaster, right? So we're facing that all day long, and still, for some reason, we're still here. God has got a plan for you. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall the trouble, the hardship, the persecution, all these things, all these dangers? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, Paul said, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. So I think it's time to stand. (laughs) Get up out of your seat. That was good. <laughs> I want to do uh, one thing. I was trying to figure out how I would, how I would do this. Um, let's all um, let's 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 all let's all get just gather in a circle around the building. Just hopefully we'll all fit. And if we don't, we'll make two lines. <laughs> I want us to get out of our seat, and we're going to join hands, and we're going to pray. And as you're, as you're going, if you listen to me, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I think today's a great day to give him your life. And, and, my, and my plea to that for you is not turn or burn. No, Jesus loves you. He's got a purpose for you. And he wants to be your Lord, your Savior, your, your, uh, your, uh, the lover of your soul. He wants to be that sparkle in your eye. He wants to be that, that, uh, that joy and that excitement. He wants to be that for you. And so if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today's a great day to give him your life. Say, Jesus, I'm yours. And that's with all the uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen, right? But the day though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And so what we're going to do in joining hands, whether two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus and in, in his name, he is there in the midst. And whether two or three agree on any one thing, it shall be accomplished. And so we're going to pray. Storms have already hit in Florida. I don't know where it's at right now or what uh, kind of damages they're talking about. But we're going to join together and pray because, and, and not necessarily God protect all of our things. Yes, we're going to make that request. But more than that, God, we're praying for those that are, that their life is just turned upside down right now. And God, we want to see you work. Perform the miracles. Now, the miracles may not be the storm disappearing and all of a sudden everything magically being put back in place. But there's going to be some miracles in your life, in their life that can happen. And let's pray that we don't miss those miracles, that we keep our trust, that we meet Jesus, that we encounter God in every aspect of this. And so as we pray, I want you to agree with me on that. Heavenly Father, God, we just come to you right now. First, we proclaim yes. 
We enter your gates with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise and proclaim that you are an awesome God and that there is none like you. And God, that if you are for us, then no one, nothing, nothing can be against us, God. And we just thank you and we praise you that we have that confidence in you. And now, God, we turn our hearts towards you and, and, and just asking, God, I pray, Lord, that those that have been displaced by the storms already, those that are d- trying to find shelter at different places, and, and uh, some, some of, were in control of their lives, and now they, they have no security. They don't know what's going to happen. They're having to rely on the charity and, and the compassion of others, God. And I just pray, Lord, that you just minister to those souls right now. God, there are two commands that you gave us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, everything that's within you. And then the second one was like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And, all, and those two commands, on, on those two commands hang the entire law and the prophets. So God, help us to love you with all our hearts and to love our neighbor as ourselves. God, I don't know what the outcome is going to be. Some people's entire livelihood depends on whether this storm hits or doesn't. And God, I just pray for miracles to take place that we as the body of Christ, that we as the believers, God, that we begin to say, Lord, we're just going to trust you. And though we may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God, we're just going to sit back and try to watch you work. Help us in our unbelief. Help us in our uh, discouragement, God. I pray that you calm fears. I pray that you calm anxieties. And God, I just pray, Lord, that you begin to, that, that you open the eyes clearly that we may see you at work. God, I pray that you station angels around about each one of our, our church family and our members, God, our, our sister churches and, and people that are part of other congregations that are being affected by these storms, that you surround angels around about them. Protect them. Protect their families. God, I pray that you protect their livelihood, that you provide for them like you do. Uh, David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor, the, nor your seed begging for bread. God, I know that you're going to take care of us, Lord. And God, we thank you and praise you for that. I pray that you bring encouragement in this house. I pray that those that have heard this message are encouraged that you are a shepherd and we're not going to lack any good thing because you love us, you're leading us, and God, we, you are with us. And Father, we give you praise and going honor for that. Lord, as we move forward, God, I pray that you'd help us as the body of Christ to be ready and waiting to do whatever you've called us to do. God, when we're given the go on this or that, that we're ready to rise to the occasion. And Father, we'll just give you praise and glory and honor for that. Lord, I don't know that I know anything else to pray, but to say help us to rest in you during this time, God. And Lord, we love you and we praise you and we put the rest into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know what else to do. Yes, give God praise.